there. This is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The podcast where I watch Doctor Who and I also tell you about it after I watch it. I've found that that works much better than telling you about it before I watch it. That would be a completely different show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes I, sometimes I think about some of these fun alternatives that we could try as like a, a gag or something. I mean, I don't know if it would actually be worth it. Like, it seems like the, the uh, entertainment value of that gag might run out, run out pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, these things are like, what if... Uh, like we talk about episodes we haven't seen yet, or what if we talk about like something long after we've seen it, or, mm-hmm. or something, or we speculate, or we we lie, or something. <laughs> we can we can just uh, do a two two truths and a lie version of the Doctor's Watcher or something. Ah, no. That could be kind no, of no listeners. We're 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 gonna stick to it. We're gonna give you the real uh, Doctor Who so that. You know, presumably, after listening to The Doctor's Watcher, you too will know these adventures that the original um, the, the original Doctor Who crew went on. Um, Indeed. Then you, you don't have to go and watch the episodes. Even yeah. Though, as we've said before, <laughs> actually going and watching the episodes may be faster, but, but <laughs> would, you, would you be this entertained? That's true. Uh, maybe. Who knows? But, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's... It's hard to watch TV while you're doing dishes or making breakfast. Much easier to listen to a podcast. In fact, the podcast. And you don't have to worry about none of those audio dramas or anything. (laughs) You can can just set those aside. Well, shall we give our listeners what they came here for today? As long as it's an episode of Doctor Who. This is, in fact, the 12th episode of the second season of Doctor Who. We have come quite a long ways in the couple years-ish that we've been recording now. Mm -hmm. And since our previous serial was just a short little two-episode deal, this is, of course, a new serial. And I like to try to remember to mention the writers of the serials whenever we get to a new one. This one is written by Dennis Spooner, which is a name you may recognize. He wrote The Reign of Terror. Yes, I I remember talking about Dennis then. (laughs) As I recall, we both put The Reign of Terror pretty high on our tier lists. So it's indeed it was a good one. Dennis Dennis did well with that. Good job, Dennis. This one is The Slave Traders, so we'll see how Dennis does with this. Could be a, a, a thorny subject, I will say. Yeah, I was. I mean, you, you, you revealed the title at the end of the last episode, um, and I remember thinking, like, man, I think we can already say going into it, this is going to be a problematic one. Even if, like, presumably they would be like, oh yeah, and slave traders suck and are terrible no matter what. Like, we can kind of assume that, but some something tells me that uh, the 1960s portrayal of, of slave traders is 
going to seem a little dated to us now yeah. in uh, 2021. Yeah, we'll, we might be holding our breath and seeing how this one goes. Yeah. Well, do you want to remind us what our cliff dangler was? Uh, I think we said our cliff dangler was a cliff faller. Uh, or a cliff plummeter, <laughs> or uh, a cliff tardis tumbler over the side of a, <laughs> a cliff comma tardis tumbling over the side of a. <laughs> <laughs> that is indeed what it was. We get to see that again, and the the camera fades out as the tardis tumbles over the side of the cliff. So you know we don't actually get to see their tiny TARDIS model fall to pieces at the bottom of a cliff. They, they, they fade out. Oh, I, I did enjoy how, uh, how when the TARDIS starts to tip, they all sort of run over to one side of it, uh-huh. you know, like you would if, if, you know, you're in a, a bus or something and a T-Rex is trying to shove it over the side of a cliff or something, you would run over to the part that's still on the cliff. Um, but it's like, if the, inside of the TARDIS seems to exist in some different pocket dimension reality type deal. Like, does it actually matter where <laughs> <laughs> where you're standing in terms of where the external box is going to be in terms yeah. of uh, the center of balance? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> we fade into the TARDIS, like a, a new shot of the TARDIS down at the bottom of the cliff. And it's kind of at a, an odd angle and it's basically mostly covered in vegetation almost as if it's hidden so we see this and then we cut to ian who is on his back on like a lounger cot type thing and he's wearing these like flowy romanesque type clothing and eating grapes Huh. Well, uh, I know we, we joke sometimes about how quickly these cliff danglers are resolved, <laughs> but I don't think that we've gone straight to like lounging around eating grapes before. <laughs> the camera zooms out a little bit and we see the doctor who's wearing like this big fancy cape thing and he's watering plants basically. Okay. <laughs> Barbara and Vicky have gone down to the village. They're not here at the moment. The doctor drags Ian for being so lazy. And Ian's like, I know the whole idea of us coming here was that we should all have a nice rest. Uh-huh. No, he's <laughs> right. That They did say that. Yeah, that, that was actually in the dialogue of the previous episode. Doctor says, My dear boy, there's a great deal of difference between resting and being sort of bone idle. <laughs> oh, buddy, you're not going to like me when I'm on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to Barbara and Vicky, who are also wearing this like flowy Romanesque clothing. And cool. they are walking down a cobblestone path, like through trees and bushes and stuff. Vicky is rushing Barbara. She wants to get to the village before the market closes, but Barbara's kind of taking her time. Vicky's like, Oh, come on. Honestly, you're getting as bad as Ian. 
And it turns out in the dialogue that follows, we learn that they have been here in what turns out to be Roman times for nearly a month. And they've basically just been like sitting on their asses and not having adventures the whole time. You know, one one could argue being in Roman times already is kind of an adventure. Yeah, that's fair. Even if you're not having adventures, like, that seems like a pretty fucking chill vacation. Like, yeah, yeah chilling in Roman times and eating grapes. Yeah. Barbara's like... Look, the adventures come without us looking for them. Dang. I like uh-huh. that. We're, 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 we're going to attract adventures no matter what. <laughs> Although, yeah, I guess they haven't for the past month, but but that just means they're due for one. I mean, it's kind of nice thinking about the fact that your characters, the these characters that we like as an audience, got a month off. Yeah, that's true. You, you look at some shows, um, and and like the characters are just going from one dangerous situation to the next, and you know, every now and then they'll be like, "Man, I I wish that." Things could just be quiet for once, or you know, they arrive at a planet or, or uh, whatever the the show's premise is. Um, they arrive in some new location, and they're like, "Oh boy, I hope that this is just a nice, friendly world." And you know, <laughs> it's not. You know, uh-huh. it's not going to be okay because then you wouldn't have an episode. But you, you kind of feel bad about being like, "Oh, hmm, what's the <laughs> what's the <laughs> shitty thing that's going to befall our our favorites? Not going to be this week." Um, mm-hmm. But. But as an audience, of course, we want some sort of conflict because we want we want it to be interesting. Um, and I know that there are other ways to tell a story too without there necessarily having to be conflict. Um, but it does tend to be the uh, the construction that most of these shows use. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I did also want to mention that like while there's not room for like a fanfic adventure insert at like in between the rescue and the Romans, there's plenty of room for some great barbarian fix in like this month of relaxation in Roman times. Heck yeah. So as Barbara and Vicky continue down the path, we see a pretty sketchy looking dude with a big knife hiding in the bushes <laughs> at the exact moment that Barbara says, you don't have to go looking for adventure. It like instantly cuts over to some sketchy guy and he brandishes a knife. <laughs> <laughs> the thing though is he, he's equipped with a knife, but he actually doesn't jump out and attack them. He just like stays hiding in the bushes. Okay. <laughs> adventure is not seeking them out. Apparently. Well, <laughs> it's nearby. <laughs> In the village market, among the bustling crowd, we see two men in furs whose names we shortly learn are Didius and Savcheria. Hmm. And it turns out that they are the enslavers and the traitors of enslaved people from the episode title. And apparently... The people that they currently have enslaved are probably not going to get them a good price. You know, I was going to make fun of their names, but uh, the fact that they're enslavers now, I'm like, hmm, I don't know. I don't know if it's even like uh, funny anymore to be making fun of their names. Yeah. 
I don't, I don't like them. I don't like them, Kyle. Apparently, this village is going to be their last good chance to enslave more people on their way to Rome because they're going to start getting into larger villages that have, like, better guards and shit. And, of course, as they discuss this, they see Vicky and Barbara enter the market area. Mm. Vicky and Barbara are looking at fabric at a booth in the market. Vicky says, This would make a nice dress. Don't you think so, Barbara? Barbara asks her if she's any good at dressmaking, and Vicky's like, No, but I thought you might be. <laughs> uh, we're just making assumptions here. <laughs> they talk to the fabric seller for a minute, and then they leave, and not too long after they leave, Sevcheria approaches the fabric seller, looking to buy information about the two women that were just at the booth. You know, I was like, uh, so we uh, we had a pretty good feeling that this cereal was going to be problematic. And I was like, well, yeah, like I said, even in the 60s, obviously, uh, enslavers are going to be bad, bad people. So how are they going to uh, find their way to being problematic? And if the two characters who get enslaved happen to be the two women, uh, I'd, say, <laughs> I'd say that would uh-huh. in the bill. So, yeah, so Cheria approaches the fabric seller. He hands over a few coins, and the fabric seller reveals that she doesn't know their names, but the two of them and two men have been living in a villa near this village for about a month. Apparently, the owner of the villa is off campaigning in Gaul, So everyone in this little village has basically just been assuming that they're friends of his looking after the house while he's gone. (laughs) Uh, Convenient. Uh Uh-huh. So Cheria asks the fabric seller if she knows where they're from. And she's not sure, but she did just a moment ago, conveniently overhear them talking about a place called Londinium, which I didn't mention, but that was actually in the conversation. Vicky and Barbara. First, Vicky mentions London, and then Barbara's like, no, 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 Londinium, while in Rome, you know, that sort of thing. I like that while in Rome. That's cute. (laughs) Uh Didius recognizes the name of Londinium, so he knows now that they're from Britannia. They are Britons. Mm-hmm. As the market winds down, remember Vicky wanted to get here like before it closed. As it starts closing, the old man who's been playing a liar for the market packs up his liar and heads out. He walks down the cobblestone path that Barbara and Vicky were on earlier and the knife dude hiding in the bushes jumps out and attacks and kills him. Oh, shit. And, yeah, he puts his knife away and drags the body into the bushes by the side of the road and G's TFO. Does he, like, uh, rob him of coin or anything? Or did he just really not like this one random liar player? <laughs> Guess the liar player's music just really sucked. 
I just want to shop the market in peace. (laughs) We cut back to our squatter's villa, where our four protagonists are discussing the meal that they just finished eating. Apparently the main course was peacock breast in orange and juniper sauce, garnished with lark's tongues and baked pomegranates. <laughs> oh, fabulous, my dear. Absolutely <laughs> fabulous. Uh, this was preceded by a starting course of ants' eggs in hibiscus honey. What do you think I am, a goldfish? <laughs> 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 oh, doctor! <laughs> I, I, I love him. He's, he's a problematic fave. <laughs> yeah, totally. Agreed on both counts. <laughs> the doctor refers to the ants' egg starting course as the hors d'oeuvres, but Vicky objects to that. That isn't its name. French isn't invented yet. Child. <laughs> That's true. It's a uh, it's a romance language that comes after <laughs> Latin. Ian and Barbara start to wonder if maybe they should go like chuck up on the TARDIS one of these days. It's been three or four weeks since we left the TARDIS. Yes, it's not even the right way up. But the Doctor tells them to just chill out. He says that the TARDIS can take off from any angle, so it's totally safe and fine. They don't need to worry about it. He thinks they worry too much, and he can't wait to get away from them for a few days. Whoa. Jeez, <laughs> guy. You guys are a total buzzkill. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> They're like, get away from us for a few days. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? You didn't say you were going to go anywhere. And the doctor's like, Oh, well, I don't know that I was under any obligation to report my movements to you, Chesterfield. Barbara corrects him. Chester tongue. That's an old gag that, yeah, came back uh-huh. <laughs> after a while. Barbara corrects him, and he's just like, Oh, Barbara's calling you. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it turns out he's going to head to Rome for a little bit. Vicky really wants to come along. She thinks that the tiny village that they live outside of is super boring. He agrees to let her come, but he refuses to let Barbara and Ian come. Yep, we've established they are buzzkills. Uh-huh. Previously, when they were asking him about the TARDIS and like if they should go check up on it, he was like, oh, so you want to leave? And Ian's like, no, 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 this place is totally chill. We should stay here as long as possible. I was just, like, wondering about the ship and shit. So now the doctor's like, you just said a minute ago that you wanted to stay here as long as possible. Barbara starts saying something about how it might be safer if she and she and Ian were to come along. But this offends the doctor. What is this? What is this now? I know what you're insinuating. Yes, that I'm not capable of taking care of myself, eh? Safer indeed. Afraid to let me out of your sight, are you? Want to be my nursemaid? Well, now, let me tell you something. I won't stand for it. Indeed, I will not stand for it. You want to go to Rome? Go. Go yourselves. (laughs) Jeez. Yeah. Uh, 
Sometimes that you know they seem to be such good friends and sort of like chummy, joking around together, and this little found family. And then, man, the doctor's just gonna doctor. And like he turns on such a dime, like with no notice. You know, a few minutes yeah. ago he's like laughing and joking, and now all of a sudden it's like I can't stand you. I want to get away from you for a few days. <laughs> yep. So. He takes Vicky to start packing for their trip to Rome, and the two of them leave the room. Hey, how's the episode so far? You can share your thoughts by emailing us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or tweeting us at doctorwatcher. If you're enjoying our little podcast, please consider giving us a five-star review on iTunes. And now, let's get back to the episode. Barbara and Ian kind of take a few moments to like recover from getting reamed out by the doctor. And then Ian notices that Barbara is kind of staring at him. I was just thinking what a splendid looking Roman you make. Hey, hey, all right. <laughs> well, uh, it's a, it seems almost inappropriate to refer to a ship called Barbarian here in Rome. <laughs> but, um, or maybe that's more appropriate. Who knows? Uh-huh. <laughs> Ian's like... <laughs> well, uh, yes. I wasn't so modest, I'd agree with you. Dang it, Ian, that wasn't... Uh, you, you, you picked the wrong dialogue option. Uh-huh. Just scroll down a little further. I'm pretty sure... Yes, and you also make a good-looking Roman. Was one of them. <laughs> she does think that his hair looks out of place. So she sits him down, and she pulls out this cool comb that she had got from the Roman markets. But Ian is being all, like, prissy and uptight about it. So, Barbara calls him on it. Don't be such a baby. Come here. As he like, no, don't touch my hair. My <laughs> beautiful, beautiful hair. Uh-huh. She combs his hair out of its part into just like, you know, kind of straight forward Roman or Vulcan style bangs. <laughs> and she asks him what he thinks. He continues being a baby about it saying that it feels awful, but she makes him go and look, actually look at his reflection in the water and turns out he kind of likes it. <laughs> Come on, Ian. Mm-hmm. He likes it enough that it actually inspires him to start quoting Shakespeare. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. And some, some passing soldier or, or <laughs> guard is like, what? Bury Caesar? You're under arrest. Uh-huh. <laughs> Barbara's like watching him deliver this soliloquy and she kind of realizes what she's done. Oh boy, that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> we get a short scene of... Didius and Sevcheria feeding the small group of enslaved people that they have and making plans 
to head to the villa to capture and enslave our protagonists. We cut back to this villa where Ian and Barbara have returned to laying about. You know, Ian, I could get used to this sort of life. Hmm. I already am. (laughs) Good response. I like that. Yeah. He refills their drinks from the pitcher on the table. And when he mentions the lack of ice, Barbara says that there's some in the fridge. He starts heading to the next room to get the ice out of the fridge before it hits him that Barbara is just doing bits on him. (laughs) Very funny. Very funny. I was going to say what fridge. (laughs) Uh I mean, presumably they they must have some sort of, you know, ice box type situation, but yeah. Of course, this is about the time that Savicharia and Didius show up at the villa with their swords out. Barbara and Ian seem to think that they are probably the owners of the villa returning because they start trying to say that, you know, we can explain, we can explain. Savcheria asks where the others are, and Barbara says that they've gone away. Ian takes this moment of distraction to knock Didius into the fountain, and everybody rolls initiative. Nice. That's that's what enslavers get. Uh Uh-huh. Even if you're still not quite sure if you're squatting <laughs> on their territory, it doesn't matter. So we start fighting. They, you know, consult the grappling rules several times. <laughs> and Barbara tries to smash a vase on Didius's head. But the DM's like, you know, Didius and Ian are involved in, like, grappling melee if you roll poorly, it's not going to be great. And she does, in fact, roll poorly. And she smashes the vase over Ian's head and knocks oh, him out. Critical fail. Ugh. She's obviously upset by this. And in this upset, Sevcheria picks her up and just like throws her over his shoulder into a fireman carry and takes her off while Didius handles unconscious Ian. Let's get them back to the camp. <laughs> I kind of don't like that all it takes to subdue Barbara is just to toss her over your shoulder. Yeah. Like, she's a person of action. She should she should uh, have a little more um, resistance in her. But I also get, it probably just went into a cut scene at that point. There's so much <laughs> that you could do. Yeah, I think the cutscene starts like as soon as she hits Ian on the head, basically. Yeah. On the road to Rome, Vicky still thinks. Hi, Matilda. Vicky still thinks. Doors slowly slowly <laughs> open behind you. Uh huh. Meow. So on the road to Rome, Vicky thinks that things are still boring. Just another dreary old statue. But <laughs> these these old Roman statues don't even have the advantage of being old yet. Uh-huh. Doctor's like, no no no, let's like read the plaque and stuff. It might be like, you know, some cool history person or whatever. 
So he goes to check out the statue, and while he's checking out the statue, the DM's like, you know, maybe just give me a perception check as well. And the doctor notices the dead body of the old liar player that got murdered earlier. Oh, dang. He, you know, starts to investigate the corpse and realizes pretty quickly that it was probably not robbers because the actual liar itself and all the man's other belongings are still there. Apparently the murderer, as we already discussed, did not loot the body. <laughs> I just didn't like liar music. Mm-hmm. The doctor, though, is definitely going to add that liar to his inventory. And No, doctor! <laughs> you don't know the danger you're putting this, yourself in. As he heads out of the bushes back onto the road with the liar in hand, he encounters a Roman centurion who's, like, poking around in the bushes with his sword. Uh, tell me, uh, do you always wave that sword about like that? What do you mean? Well, you can easily kill someone. Swords are dangerous, you know. <laughs> someone could just walk into your sword. <laughs> it turns out that this centurion is looking for the liar player. The doctor learns that the liar player has been expected in Rome... Apparently, the Emperor Nero sent for him to discuss his music, but everyone in Rome was all super concerned when they heard that he was planning to travel on foot and, like, play for all the people along the way. So the centurion and his men have been out looking for him. After the doctor unlocks all this backstory, he says that, yeah, it's his liar. He's the dude. Centurion is like, oh, cool, cool, cool. I'll take you to Assisium, which is the local village, and then my men will take you the rest of the way to Rome. And, you know, as an escort, basically, the doctor's like, sweet, that sounds pretty great. But Vicky kind of like pulls the doctor for a brief aside where she says that she doesn't think that they should go with the Centurion. But the doctor disagrees. He thinks that the centurion knows more than he's letting on. So, of course, doctor wants to poke into that. And also the doctor really wants to go meet Emperor Nero. <laughs> Fair. Um, he, he is a famous historical personage. Uh-huh. Um, and also, would you say that when the doctor is holding the liar, that there are two liars? <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah, that was, a, that was a, a, a very pained laugh, Kyle, I apologize. Um, yeah, I wonder, does he even have any, like, the first idea of how to actually play a liar? Who knows? Um, yeah, that is... Maybe, maybe the doctor will surprise us. Yeah, that is unclear at this point. Also seems like something he would not even consider. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, if he gets to Emperor Nero and Nero's like, oh, play me something, then maybe at that point he'll be like, you know, maybe I should have thought this. <laughs> Vicky's like, Doctor, you don't even know your own Oh, name. of course I do, my dear. It, 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 it. Which he doesn't. He kind of like tries yeah, to remember it. There, there are many things that the doctor <laughs> hasn't uh, 
thought through. Uh-huh. The centurion had, like, mentioned it earlier. So, you know, the doctor's, like, trying to recall. But as he's, as he's trying to remember, the centurion calls out for him. Maximus Battalion, if you're ready. And the doctor writes it down real quick. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, Vicky kind of, like, smiles at the doctor and the two of them head out. But as they walk off down the road, a little bit ahead of the centurion, the centurion takes a brief moment to shake his head in frustration or disappointment, almost as if he didn't want to actually find the liar player. Dang, that knife guy I hired must have really, you know, failed at his job. (laughs) We cut to somewhere else along the road. And at this location, someone who is interested in purchasing enslaved people has run into Didius and Sevacheria and is trying to make a deal with them. He wants to buy the British woman, but they're not willing to sell Barbara to him directly. They want to actually take her to Rome and auction her off because they think they'll get a better price that way. They like they are willing to deal with him. They just they're just not going to sell him Barbara. So they start negotiating. We cut over to Barbara and Ian, who are discussing their plight. They're chained up. Barbara is pretty despairing. She thinks things are not looking great. Ian suggests that you know they're going to be moving later that night. They'll be able to escape then. And she's just like, will we? Yeah, well, you guys are chained up. Yeah. That's a good question. She obviously, being a history teacher, she knows that the Romans didn't tend to treat enslaved people that great. And Mm -hmm. not that many enslaved people actually managed to, like, escape or anything. Yeah, it's not like any culture has ever treated their enslaved people particularly well. Yeah. Maybe if they did, they wouldn't have enslaved them. She's also concerned that, like, even if they do somehow manage to escape, how long it might take. She's worried that if the Doctor and Vicky get back to the TARDIS before she and Ian do, they might not wait for them very long. Oh, yes, they'll wait for us. But for how long? We cut back to the negotiations, which have completed, and the buyer is going to purchase three enslaved men, and it's going to be his choice of which ones he gets. Of course, one of the ones that he picks is Ian. Yeah. (laughs) Because if not, then, like, what's the point of this scene exactly? Yeah. Ian promises Barbara that he'll look for her in Rome. But the enslaver who just bought him is like, dude, we're not going anywhere near Rome. We cut to the village, Assisium, and the centurion from earlier is meeting with the murderer from earlier, earlier. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. You fool! I went to where the body should have been, and there he was alive. Apparently, Nero will pay to have musicians who are better than him killed. And that's what happened to the actual liar player that the doctor is now impersonating. Well, it's a good thing the doctor has no idea how to play the liar then. <laughs> uh-huh. I guess the centurion like really wants to get this payout because he tells this murderer that he's going to have another chance. Maximus Battalion is in the room above. Fail me again and you'll lose more than your tongue. <laughs> Dang. This guy's already already lost his tongue. Dang. We cut to the corridor outside the room above, where we hear the doctor playing the lyre poorly in the other room. <laughs> I'm sure even Nero can play better than that. <laughs> Uh, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. The murderer pulls out his knife and starts creeping toward the doctor's room. And the scene fades to black and the words, Next episode, all roads lead to Rome, appear on screen. Next episode, a music critic. <laughs> Next episode, encore of death. Next episode, doctor's first concert. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, cool. Um, interesting. I mean, when when you said that the uh, the title of the episode was going to be the slave traders, I was wondering like what era it was going to take place in. Um, yeah. And, uh, and it's been a while since we've had a, a historical one. Also, I remember speculating that we were going to have a Roman one um, sooner or later, and here we are. In fact, I think we may have speculated about that during the Reign of Terror. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, cool. So, so one question I had was uh, these enslavers... Um, the, the group of enslaved people that they have with them, like the ones that they'd already enslaved previously, um, what uh, what type of people are we are we talking about there? Like, do they all look? Um, do they, are they a bunch of other white people like Ian and Barbara? Or um, yeah, they are. They're all white. We learn through the dialogue that they're Gauls. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so they're, you know, quite a distance from home, obviously. They've been traveling for quite a long time. And, like, you know, they're basically all, like, pretty run down at this point because of having traveled from Gaul. Um, I think that's why Didius and Sevcheria think that they'll probably not get very good prices for them is because they're just, like, all run down and, and worn out and stuff. Yeah, yeah, you'd think the Gauls would be giving them more trouble, but uh, the small, skinny, blonde one must be out of magic potion, and his <laughs> big, hefty, red-haired one, uh, his friend, must just be in a bad mood or, or mad at him not to have broken him out yet. Mm-hmm. 
but we'll, we'll see what they do in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't read any asterisks in a long time. I need to pick some of those up again. Uh, yeah, well, speaking of problematic faves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, uh, that also is, is rather problematic. Um, yeah, that is true. I heard some of the later ones are not as bad as some of the former ones, but yeah, I haven't I haven't read all of them. I, I've read a fair amount, but not not in a long time. Um, well, well, cool. I mean, it's uh, it's always fun to see your faves in an in interesting period of costumes, um, and and maybe uh, Ian and Barbara do look pretty great in in. Yeah. Flowing. Yeah, I have to say that all four of them really look pretty great in in Roman period costumes. Oh, good. Cool. I guess I never um, described um, Vicky's dress in The Rescue, but she's got like this, you know, cute, like kind of 60s mod type dress. That's pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> the way you would in the year, like what, 24 something or other? <laughs> uh-huh. Anyway, I I know that you are planning to speak with members of your family about your impending anniversary of the day of your birth. Yes, that's coming up. Wish me luck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, both on the conversation and uh, the, well, around here we call those birthdays. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Round in these parts. Farted. I'll see you Cool. Well, thanks, Kyle. Thanks for uh, watching Doctor Who and telling us about it. Um, I'll I'll say, you know, in the uh, the Roman style, wale, and uh, I'll talk to you next time. Indeed, wale. Hi, it's Benny. Kyle and I would like to thank Circuit Twenty Three for our theme song. You can find its sweet, sweet tunes, including our theme, at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. And you can reach him at circuit.23 at gmail.com. Thank you to Kyle for talking to me about Doctor Who. And thank you, listener, for listening to me, listening to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. You can always chat with us by emailing thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or tweeting at drwatcher. It always makes our day to see a new review on iTunes. And with that, please join us next time on The Doctor's Watcher. Where Barbara and Vicky? They gone down to the village. Do you think that plant's had enough water, Doctor? The answer, dear boy, is pipes. Pipes? Pipes, Chesterton. Pipes. Oh. You see, the Romans, unfortunately, didn't know how to transport water satisfactorily. That's why they built their aqueducts. Now, if they'd experimented with pipes... Oh, I see what you're getting at. Good, good. Yes, yes, they have. Beg your pardon? Oh, my dear young man, why do you let your mind wander so? You asked me just now if Barbara and Vicky had gone down to the village. I gave you a plain and simple answer. Yes, they have. <laughs>